It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it. Like, um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Fiddler's gone after it. Then he scoops the ball away to Byrne. Byrne puts on a fin. Then he puts on a fin. Sandler is chasing. Sandler is playing. What a tackle on the line. What a tackle by Scott Sandler. That's one of the greatest tackles you will ever see in any game. Unbelievable. What a pick up by Fiddler. A flying winger. And only one man. One man standing between the try line, a try to the Roosters, and it stops that. Good God, that, doesn't that make your, the hairs on the back of your neck stand up? Uh, that tackle by Scott Sattler, a lock forward on Todd Byrne in the 2003 decider between the Panthers and the Roosters. Uh, goes down as one of the defensive moments in the history of uh, the NRL Premiership title. Uh, he's part of the Sen family as well. The SEN family is Scott Sattler. He's got a show with uh, Gary Belcher called Sports Day across the network. Um, and I'm sure uh, he's excited about this time of the year. Uh, good morning to you, Scott. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Ian. Thanks for having me. Big fan. Um, <laughs> what about that tackle, mate? Um, you know, it was a, a, legend, a legendary moment uh, in the game. Uh, this time of the year, I'll always bring it back to you. Yeah, I was actually just talking to a few mates this morning. They said, oh, I was sick of seeing that bloody tackle again. Um, and it usually <laughs> is this time of year that uh, it gets rolled out time and time again. And probably more so this year because, and like last year with the Penrith Panthers making their um, their second uh, grand final appearance in, in as many years. So, uh, yeah, it's an exciting time of year. It's an even more exciting time when your old club's playing in the grand final. And probably uh, doubly exciting when the team that you supported as a kid growing up because my dad played his whole career with the South Sydney Rabbitohs and won four, four premierships with them in the 60s and 70s. And and um, and so the, the team that I followed, Smitty, growing up, the Rabbitohs, and now up against my uh, my old club, it's, I, I really don't know who to go for, to be quite honest. There's two ways to look at it. I I win either way, and I get disappointed because one of my teams lose. But, um, you know, it's always an exciting time of year. And with it being in Brisbane for the first time, it's, it's um, equally exciting because... It's never happened before and probably never happen again. Scott, I, I'll come back to your relationship with you and your dad, which is, which is just a, a great story in its own right. But I, I want to take a... I read um, early, one of your early predictions in this year's NRL, um, and you, in terms of your top eight, went one, two, three, in order, Raiders, Panthers, Rabbitohs. Well, Ricky's boys let you down in terms of that prediction, but you got the other two right ahead of some fairly favoured contenders. So... Um, it, it's, is it for you in a, a sort of a way a, quite a fitting final? 
Yeah, I always thought that the Bunnies would be there for a number of reasons. One, because Latrell Mitchell, who on his day is one of the best players in the NRL, but the most important person in that South Sydney team actually doesn't put a jersey on each week. It's it's Wayne Bennett, the coach. You know, he'll go down in history as as one of the sport's great coaches, not just rugby league, but sport in general, Australian sport in general, one of the greatest coaches we've ever seen. The success that he's had, the influence he's had on players, the, the stories that we don't hear about, the influence he's had on players off the field when when their lives are a crossroad and they end up finding some you know, some solace uh, in their lives after the footy career with the, with the help of Wayne Bennett. He's just an amazing human being. Human being. The, the ability he has to, to be able to connect with people. So I always thought South would be there if they could keep everyone on the field. Now, when they lost Latrell Mitchell some weeks back for a for a for um, that high tackle um, against the Roosters, everyone thought, and I even thought that they were probably done, but such is the strength of the man. He's gotten through the grand final. He'll concoct something pretty special this week. But... Um, uh, and the Penrith Panthers, well, yeah, they're only a really young team. And we won the comp back in 2003 with a really young group of players that played all the junior reps together through 15, 16, 17, 18. They all made first grade at 19. And we went on and won a comp. And much like this team also, they've been together for, since our 14 or 15, this team. And I always thought they were going to be there about again. So it doesn't surprise me that the Panthers are there, but it does surprise me that the Rabbits made it without Latrell Mitchell. So you talk about the influence of, of Wayne Bennett. Uh, that's undoubted. Uh, tell us a, a wee bit about the influence then uh, on the Cleary connection uh, at, at Penrith because uh, not quite as openly uh, regarded, I would imagine. He's still got a bit to do to get to Wayne Bennett's level, uh, Ivan Cleary, but he's fashioned a pretty good outfit this time round. Yeah, he has. He's been there once before at Penrith and Phil Gould um, didn't extend his contract because he actually used the phrase he thought he was tired and maybe he just thought of, he thought that uh, emotionally and, and psychologically trying to oversee such a huge club like Penrith, who has the biggest junior base in, in the game, um, it was just getting to him and probably wasn't mature enough. And uh, Phil Gould sent him away, and he knew he was always going to get him. They were going to get him back at some stage, and they got him back after he spent a little bit more time in other clubs. And of course, he's he was at the Warriors and took them through to a grand final as well in 2011. And so you know he he knows how to get teams to the finishing line. But he's yet to break that bubble at the moment. He's um, you know, this weekend's probably his, last year was his probably his best chance, and I thought they overcooked themselves leading in the grand final. Um, I thought they focused too much on the past and the history of the club and the success of the small successes of the club, and getting guest speakers in to talk to a young group. I just think they really overcooked it. Whereas this year, they've taken a real relaxed approach for more reports, and that's what you need to do with the younger players. You need to take a real relaxed approach and. Um, you know, there's, if he doesn't win it this year, uh, Ivan Cleary, there's no doubt that he will get a premiership in the very near future with this group. But uh, this year, I think they deserve to go in as favourites, uh, the Panthers. He's, he's got a great relationship with his son. Uh, his son is a very smart player. His son has grown up in dressing sheds his whole life. So he knows he's, he's very smart intellectually around the rugby league field as well and the landscape of it. And, and um, they live and breathe the game, both he and Ivan. And Ivan's such a really quiet, composed guy. And, now, I really enjoy his company, Ivan, and, and the players love him as well. So um, it, what it is, you know, we saw two weeks ago that both he and Wayne Bennett got into a little bit of a verbal stoush, and, and Ivan Cleary was first to fire off, and what you don't do is allow Wayne Bennett to come in second and and um, and, ret- and give his retort, which he's always going to win. So um, Ivan, I think this week, will be a little bit smarter in relation to the way that he prepares for this game in the media 
and he doesn't rattle the cage of Wayne Bennett because Wayne will get under his under his skin again. 18 years, mate, since you won the comp with uh, the Panthers. You had a couple of Kiwis alongside you too there, the Hair Bears, they used to call them back in those days, Joe <laughs> Nullivale, Frank Pulitua. Uh, tell, tell us about that unit you had and, and that Kiwi influence. Well, the Panthers Panthers are always a heavy Polynesian influence. Um, Mount Druitt and, and the areas around St Mary's has got a huge uh, Polynesian population. Um, when a lot of the families migrated many, many years ago, um, they, all, they all ended up in the western suburbs and, um, and make up a large amount of numbers in relation to the junior representatives uh, out there, representative teams. And I remember being a, a mature player, sort of, Coming, coming to Penrith, um, I was at 26 when I went to Penrith and there was this young kid that was coming through with 18 years of age, touching for a tour at 19, I think he was, and he all of a sudden he hit first grade and he had so much potential and many questioned his, his, uh, his toughness and resilience. But I just remember when we got John Lang to the, the Panthers, he just simplified everything. And I remember he, he grabbed Tony Portour and he said to him, you know, you're one of the big reasons I came to Penrith. I hated coaching against you. You're one of the best athletes I've ever seen. He really just built up his ego and made him feel as though to the point that he was actually indestructible. For the two or three years, he was the most damaging back rower in the in the world. And then Joey Nullivan, who, of course, was at the Warriors as a fullback and centre and comes to the, tire, the Panthers, I should say, and, and turned him into a back rower. And both he and Paul Tour pushed each other when it came to their training, their values and ethics, and they... They did a lot of extra training. They kept each other honest, and and together they were, they were near unstoppable. Eh? You know, after four years, after four rounds, I should say, we only won one game. We're paying 101 yeah. to one to win the win the comp, and then we're running this eight game winning streak. And it was against the Warriors actually in round six and really round seven that really turned our season over in New Zealand, and um, and that's when we thought we could play finals after that game, and. And then we went, after eight games, after eight wins in a row, we realised we could probably finish in the top four. And as the goes, we beat the Bulldogs, I remember, one day on a Sunday afternoon, and we actually thought we could win the cop after that game. So, and Tony Tour and Joe Nullivan, and Paul Fadawira, who was our centre as well, um, who went on and won a comp in 05 with the West Tigers as well. He, he was, had a huge influence on our, on our, um, on our team as well. He's, all, he's also a champion boxer. He was Paul Fadawira in New Zealand. We didn't know anything about him when he arrived, and we used to do a lot of, like boxing, sparring, and no one knew anything about him. But the first person that took him on, um, hit him on the chin, just bucking around. And Paul Fadawira um, put him through that much pain for the next three minutes in the in the boxing ring. We, we knew who he was by the end of that three minutes. He was a really tough competitor, <laughs> the ultimate professional. And, and those three Polynesian boys um, had a really huge influence on our side. And, and then on the back of that, we had this young kid coming through called Frank Pritchard as well, a back rower, who was coming through putting pressure on a lot of people. So... Um, huge influence in the in the Panthers club and still is today. Still a huge influence today. Uh, we're talking to uh, Scott Sattler, folks. Uh, Premiership winner back in two thousand and three with the Panthers. It's eleven thirteen here on SENZ. Uh, Scott's got a, a great show called Sports Day uh, on SEN uh, with Gary Belcher. So you'll be able to get that on the app as well. Uh, look, you talked before uh, about Nathan Cleary growing up in dressing rooms. I'm pretty sure Scott Sattler might have grown up in a few dressing rooms with that great relationship <laughs> with, with your dad, who uh, is a legendary player. I mean, uh, he won it so many times. Uh, you're one of seven groups of fathers and sons to win the ARL or NRL Premiership final. So this is a very special time, not, not just for you, but for your dad and you, you as a pairing, I would imagine. 
Yeah, it is. I was conceived in the dressing rooms at Redfern Oval. Um, and then, yeah, as you said, I, I, I grew up in dressing shed my whole life. And um, ever, ever since I can remember, Dad was taking me to rugby league games in the Brisbane Rugby League. And, and then um, and growing up around all his ex-teammates, you know, you Bob McCarthy's and Ron Coots. And you know, if, you, if you talk about those names in rugby union terms, you're talking about... Yeah, you know, Richie McCaw and and Buck Shelford. That's how big these names were in rugby league. And and so growing up around those guys as a young kid um, was was came just natural to me. And um, and so then going into rugby league, I always felt really comfortable being around older company. And and then you know fast forward, I had the opportunity on two occasions to play for South Sydney, and I didn't because my jersey was number thirteen. And Dad played in number thirteen, different positions um, back when Dad played, but same jersey number. And, I never did that because of the jersey number, and that was his. Uh, you know, that was his legacy at that club, and I didn't want to try and tank that in any way. And um, and so, you know, again, fast forward again, and now you've got South Sydney and Penrith playing against each other. It's a pretty special moment you know, for both of us. We uh, the sledging's already commenced this week between both of us, and uh, he won't go to the game. You know, he's he's seventy nine, Dad now, and he, you know, he's he's got early onset sort of dementia from the from the. Um, the effects of the game. He had a bad car crash in 1979, and he had a stroke about four years ago as well, which has knocked him around. So um, he's still, you know, he's still aware of what's going on around him. He knows the footy. He loves the footy. He knows the South are playing this week. He's excited about it. And um, it took them so long. So after 71, he was the last grand final winning captain at South in 71. It took them until 2014 to win another comp or even playing another grand final. So you know, it's great that they haven't had to wait so long. Uh, the the Rabbitohs this time and you know what there's there's part of me that always says that you know I'd love Penrith to win but I'd love South to win also just you know, we don't know how long Dad's going to be on this earth and uh, just, I'd love him to see as many you know, premierships um, and the Bunnies singing their victory song as we can. Hell of a story, mate. Um, he he played with a grand final with a broken jaw. Is that right? Yeah, second minute in the 1970 grand final against Manly, he was king hit by another front row from Manly called John Bucknell, who was sent out there actually to to take Dad out. Um, second minute, he, he smashed his jaw in four places, uh, both both clean clean breaks underneath each earlobe, and then down uh, down the points of your chin, he clean breaks through there as well in between your teeth and all through the uh, the jawbone as well. So yeah, all clean breaks and. Um, and he knew he'd broken it straight away, and he would push it into place throughout the game. And um, at one stage there, he, he, the story, uh, he tells the story, he walked out to his best mate, who was a winger, Michael Cleary, and said to him, um, you know, hold me up, don't let, me, let these guys know that I'm injured. And no one else knew in the team that, he was, that he'd broken his jaw. At half-time, he walked in, they went in the dressing shed, and, and his front-row partner, John O'Neill, walked over him and said, listen, you missed a couple of tackles, you need to pull your head in. We don't miss tackles. And when Dad turned to talk to him, his whole jaw fell apart in all three or four different angles. And, and Johnny O'Neill, the tough lurch, O'Neill nearly fainted. And the coach, the great Clive Churchill, who is now an immortal, um, he tried to stop him from going back out at half, after half time. But Dad ran out of the dressing shed, out onto the ground, so they couldn't get him um, and played the rest of the game. Now, many call it bravery. Other people call it stupidity. Uh, you wouldn't be allowed to do it today. But, uh, yeah, it's gone down in folklore as a a pretty courageous moment, and in the end, they end up going on a winning that, that grand final against Manly, and uh, yeah, he played the whole game with that shattered jaw, and spent uh, the next uh, week and a half in hospital with his, his jaw wired up, and um, and was met the captain of the 1979 World Cup team that year, and you now 1970 World Cup team that year, and unfortunately, you know, couldn't be selected because of uh, the shattered jaw, so 
Yeah, it's, you know, it's gone down to folklore, and he's, um, I can tell you, and growing up as well uh, as his son, I've seen plenty of people um, post his career trying to challenge him in the pubs that we owned and lived in over many, many years, and they always came off second best, so uh, <laughs> it was a pretty colourful childhood. Oh, mate, I, I can, oh, that's a hell of a story, uh, and I'm, I'm so glad that you, you're related at Weather, and I'm, I'm really hoping that, uh, I'm hoping your dad uh, can, can enjoy this weekend. I can tell you, uh, there's another slight fairy tale, nothing like that, nothing like that. Um, but <clears throat> from our, uh, our point of over here, uh, of course, Scott, uh, Benji Marshall uh, plays uh, in this mm-hmm. grand final, 16 years after his last uh, going. Uh, that goes down in history as something for us. I mean, he's a guy we thought, for all intents and purposes, he'd come to rugby union, for goodness sake. We thought his league career was done and dusted, and here he's back on the biggest stage. Yeah, he's a tremendous young man. I was fortunate enough to play with Benji in his last, in my last year of rugby league. It was his first full year. He made his debut in 03, but 04 was his first full year as an 18-year-old. And what a tremendous young man, highly intelligent, um, had good enough grades in school to, to go into the, the medical field. Um, but went uh, went the path of rugby league, and I'm glad he did um, because he'll make a tremendous coach when he retires. But he's been the greatest Kiwi rugby league player we've ever seen. He's had the greatest influence on the game overall on Kiwi kids, but also Australian kids as well. Um, and it's all about Wayne Bennett. He's the one that you know, convinced Benji after a phone call from Benji to Wayne Bennett one day to said, "Listen, I think I've got another year left in me. What do you think?" And Wayne said, "Well, you're going to play number 14 each week, which is on the interchange bench, and we'll just see how it goes." He, plays for minimum wage, $120,000 a year, um, and I think could be the potential X factor on Sunday night, to be quite honest. And uh, He's just a tremendous athlete, a great guy. You know, he's he's, he's so, um, so humble in everything he does uh, around the game. He's great with the supporters, and, um, and it's another fairytale story you know, that um, you know, a young Kiwi kid comes over at a very young age to Keebler Park, a school on the Gold Coast, to, to test himself, and Ends up being one of the greatest players we've seen in the modern era, and definitely, I think the, the greatest Kiwi player we've ever seen above, you know, Mark Graham and, and Stacey Jones and Ruben Wiki. Scott, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, mate. I, I know it's a huge week for you—the build-up and uh, the expectation, and then the actual performance uh, uh, come Sunday night. Enjoy it, uh, relive those moments for you, and uh, particularly if you get a chance, and I'm sure you will. Um, relive it with your, with your old man sounds like a fantastic relationship you've got there uh, look forward to um, getting your show Sports Day on the app as well along with Gary Belcher uh, enjoy the week mate I, I know it's just, just not about the game it's about the history and you're part of it thank you thank you very much Smithy and, um, and SENZ and I want to say day to all my uh, my in-laws who are listening on the, on the app there at uh, Omaru, Timaru, Nelson, Christchurch uh, Lower Hawaii as well down the South Island so day, everyone Thank you very much, and we'll never ever, uh, never ever think about those South changing rooms with anything other apart from respect. Now, okay? <laughs> I can't walk in them either. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Been a, been a joy. Thank you. Eleven twenty-one here uh, on SENZ. What a character! I mean, aren't there so many of them in rugby league? But that story and that pride you could hear coming talking about uh, his father's exploits in the game and the bravery. That's my old man. That's my old man. You could just hear it coming through. And he's a medal winner himself. Outstanding.